Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. This last Friday, July the 30th, my family and I finally scheduled a day to meet out at my, my parents' home, the old home place, and to finish up cleaning out our home after their passing. Now, this was actually my first time back since my mother passed at 2.30 in the morning on December the 21st. I think I went back in those first few days to help get something for the funeral, but this is really the first time that I've been back to, uh, to go through the house. Now, over the last several months, my family has gone through there and they were going through the home, picking out the things that they wanted. Uh, there were certain things that my brother wanted, certain things that my sister wanted, and then there were certain things that I wanted. And we never had a moment of disagreement. Uh, our family doesn't do that. Uh, we prefer one another and uh, we were very kind and gracious with each other, but everyone took what they wanted. Uh, I was busy over the last several months, as you know, with the campaign this year, getting reelected, and then all the other things that has just been a part of 2021. But I'll be honest with you, the biggest reason is because I dreaded going back. I did not want to go through the home and have to go through that stuff that would bring up uh, memories within me of my father who passed on March the 14th, 2010, and then my mother on December the 21st, uh, 2020. I didn't want to face that. I didn't want to deal with that. This year, because it came, the passing of my mother came right at Christmas and then it threw me into a campaign, I had to shut my emotions off. I had to shut them down. Sometimes in life, especially if you're in leadership, you're not afforded the luxury of just having a moment. Sometimes you have to swallow real hard and you have to collect yourself. Whether you're going to someone else's funeral, whether you're going into a hospital room, whether you're dealing with a tragedy in people's lives, sometimes you just have to just pull it together and swallow real hard so that you can get through the moment and help people get through their situation. As we went there this last Friday, we actually had what's called a roll-off uh, delivered. We actually had two of them. A roll-off is these long dumpsters that they'll drop off and you can fill it up and they pick it up. Each one of these roll-offs had 40 yards of space within them. So there were 80 yards all total. And so we were going through the house and the building out back and most of the furniture had already been taken out. And so we were actually just going through the smaller items that needed to be dealt with in the garage and the home out in the, the storage building. So we were sorting through memories, deciding what to keep and what to let go of. And so as I stood there watching these roll-offs, I realized that there were 80 yards of memories that were being dumped into these two uh, dumpsters. I, 
kept going through different things and I kept trying to get family members to keep something. I'd find something, I said, you, you need to take this. And then I'd say to somebody else, well, you need to take this. And then I realized these were items that had no value to them because they'd already picked out their stuff. They had no value to them. It was only a memory for me. So what was important to me may not be important to someone else. And what's important to them may not be important to me. At one point, I realized that we were dumping a lifetime of my parents in these roll-offs. And as the truck drove away, it made that passing of them uh, feel so final. As I'm watching these two dumpsters and all this stuff is being thrown in, I'm standing, I'm realizing you're, you're, we're throwing away a lifetime of two people that meant a lot to me. And so as the truck pulled away, as I said, it had such a feeling of final and I hated it. Hebrews chapter nine and verse 27, the writer said, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Now, the word judgment there in the Greek, we know that it speaks of divine law judgment. Sinners will stand at the great white throne judgment and answer. Christians will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and they will answer. But divine law judgment, it also means separating. But there's another meaning tucked into that word. It means opinion or decision given concerning anything. A opinion, a judgment given concerning anything or anyone. It's appointed unto man once to die. And then there's judgment that passed on his life. There's an opinion given on his life. Every man has an appointment with death. After death, man will judge your legacy and God will judge your eternity. And Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Jesus is preaching and this is a phenomenal chapter, of course, chapter 6 and 7. And, but in verse 19, he says to the disciples, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If I titled this today, I would title this Treasures of the Heart. We all have seen the programs. I, I've been channel surfing and come across one and I can't watch much, much of it because my OCD kicks in. Uh, that perfection in me kicks in. But we've all seen these programs of, of hoarders. You've seen hoarders? Hoarders. Let me talk to you about hoarding treasures. Do you know that there's an estimated six to 15 million people affected by the hoarding illness in the country alone? Compulsive hoarding is a condition where a person feels compelled to store and preserve materials and stuff which may or may not have any value. Think of that. In verse 19, in our text, in the Passion, 
It reads, don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and notice this, loses its value. Don't hoard because it's going to lose its value. Let me share with you things that hold their value. Now, these are 10 used luxury items that hold their value from a magazine called The Richest. Now, I'm not going to pronounce some of this right, but you ladies, be kind. Number 10, Hermes Kelly handbag. Number nine, Louis Vuitton never full handbag. I didn't know they make such a bag. I've, I've never seen a woman's bag that wasn't full. Number eight. <laughs> hang with me, I'm tired. So I need to put a disclaimer up front. Whatever I say, just realize I'm tired. Number eight, diamonds. Number seven, gold. Number six, high-end art. Number five, Hermes Birkin handbag. Hermes. 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 I, that's Southeast Texas. Hermes. Number four, burgundy wine. Need a drink after this. Number three. Number three. I'm joking. Number three. Say it again. Christian Louboutin. Christian Louboutin shoes. I think that's the ones that are red on the bottom. Any women got a Louis, a Christian Louboutin? Hold up your foot. Let me see. I want to see what... Number two, Rolex watch. And the number one used luxury item that holds its value is a Ferrari. Top 10. Handbags, diamonds, gold. Sounds like a woman put this list together because there's not one weapon in there. There's not one... I would value my guns much more than a pair of shoes with red. I could take my wife's shoes and paint them red on the bottom and I'd have a Christian Louboutin, Louboutin, Louboutin shoe. You see, the fallacy with this list is that each item can be stolen or eventually decay. Every one of them, no matter how much value you place on them. They'll decay or they can be stolen like the diamonds and the gold. Let me share with you lessons in value. Use it now or lose it to time or decay. There's nothing in my house that I won't use. Nothing. Nothing. When Suzanne and I first moved here in 06, we bought a house full of furniture. It was just that time for us to update. And so we did, and some of the furniture I bought came out of Houston, and it was, it was what you'd considered nice furniture. But then we started having babies. And my grandchildren started coming over and attacking my furniture. <laughs> and I didn't care one iota. Because I'd rather have fun with my babies than to protect that crazy furniture. Use it now or lose it to time. What you think is so valuable now, one day they'll throw it in a dumpster.
use it now or lose it to time. And the items that I had picked out that I wanted was a small table that my mother always used at Christmas and Thanksgiving. It, it's maple. It's not really big, but it has wings that you could fold out back in the 60s. I, you know, you don't see them anymore, but it was just a table that I, as a, as a boy, I always remembered, uh, had fond memories because we only used it at Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so that was one of the items that I wanted. When I went there Friday and I went to the table and I ran my hand across it, it had, had mold starting to take hold of it. Now we've kept the air on to keep it climate controlled, but when you don't live in something, when you just let it sit there, when you're not using it, decay begins to creep in. Mold begins to creep in. So use it now or lose it to time. The second lesson in value is to add value to something, you must build memories around it. Because as I was going through the stuff that I wanted to keep, I realized that the things that I loaded in my car were things that had a memory attached to it. Some of the things you would probably wouldn't even give it a second thought. But for me, it represented a moment in time and an experience that I had with either my father or my mother. If you want to add value to something, build a memory around it. You see, like pictures, memories are our footprints reminding people that we were here. Memories are footprints that you leave that remind people that you passed this way. After all the stuff is divvied out, after everything is done, what your children and your grandchildren will hold on to are the memories that you create. We spend a lifetime accumulating junk, but it's really not the junk that leaves an impression. It's the memories that you built around the junk. That's what they remember, the memories of a lifetime. And you see, we have to fight this bondage to decay because Romans 8, 21 said that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. You see, we are all fighting this decaying process. Physically, it's, I'm fighting it every day. Gravity is pulling me down. The Bible says from dust you came to dust you'll return. And so gravity is pulling me back down. That's why things are starting to bag and sag and wrinkle and let go. And it's just, it, it's, it's depressing. And so we spent a fortune in America uh, squirting stuff into us and rubbing stuff on us and pouring stuff on us. And, and it's all a, a multi-billion dollar industry trying to fight decay. Just trying to keep it fresh. You're, you're shooting like Tupperware under your eyes. They call it Botox, trying to keep it fresh. But don't know where that came from. But the bondage to decay. But, but here, here are two decaying facts that I just, I want to share with everyone. Number one, your body 
is going to the graveyard. And number two, your stuff is going to the junkyard. And that's something you really need to grab a hold of. As we scramble out of here, uh, and, and, and tomorrow we, 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 we scurry off to work and trying to make money and trying to buy stuff and trying to make things happen and trying to build things and trying to collect all of our stuff. Just remember this. Keep everything in perspective. One day, one vehicle will take your body to the graveyard and another vehicle will take your stuff to the junkyard. Remember that. It's the decaying process. The things that hold their value, though, are the things that hold your memory. The things that hold your value are the things that hold your memory. The things that I loaded in my car were things that held a memory for me. The things that went in that dumpster were things that I let go of. So you need to realize, if you want your kids, your grandchildren, if you want them to value anything, then build a memory around it. Build a memory, attach a memory to that thing because that's the only way it will hold its value. Remember that. Just like with that table. I kept the table because the table represented fond memories that I had as a child at Thanksgiving and Christmas time. We're talking about, we're talking about hoarding, hoarding, hoarding stuff when we should be hoarding memories. Second point, let's talk about this laying up treasures or one translation calls it stockpiling. Stockpiling memories is what I'll call it. Stockpiling memories. Did you know it takes a moment to make memories and a lifetime to forget them? How many of you can remember things that happened to you as a child? Just special moments, fleeting moments, fleeting moments, just fleeting moments. It, it takes just a moment for that to happen. Just a moment. And yet you hold on to it for a lifetime. And verse 20 in our text, he said, don't hoard stuff because it's going to lose its value. He said, instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen, never will rust, decay, or lose their value. So don't hoard things that will lose their value stockpile things that won't. Memories of a lifetime. The only way to render timely goods eternal is through, through the act of charity. Kingdom principle. Kingdom principle. He said in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love. Look, the only way that you can render something timeless it's by letting go of it, by using it through charity. Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who is wise saves, saves lives, or the King James, I think, it just came out of me, saves souls. The fruit of a righteous man or woman is a tree of life. Your life should be like a tree that yields fruit 
and your life is saving people's souls, saving people, helping sinners to become saints, helping saints to become servants, and helping servants to become sons. You see, it's more than just seeing people get saved. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of men. He, he didn't say, go in the world and just get them saved and then just leave them. That's like going into a labor room and giving birth to a baby and then walking off and leaving it there. He said, make disciples. So that's why I call it sinners to saints, saints to servants, and servants to sons. We've got to help people become everything that we know they are in Christ Jesus. John 4, 41. And because of his word, speaking of the woman at, the, at Jacob's well, Sychar, you remember the message, John 4, 41. And because of his words, Jesus' words, excuse me, because of Jesus' words that she spoke to the, to the village at Sychar, because of his words, many more became believers. She goes back to Sychar from Jacob's well. She said, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. This guy's the real deal. And because of his words that he spoke to her, many people became believers. You see, we must help them to believe. We must. We must help people go from sinners to saints, uh, 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 saints to servants, and servants to, to sons. We've got to help people. We've got to help people believe in themselves. We've got to help people believe in the call of God that's on their life, the purpose that God has for them. I remember, I, I said it at my mother's funeral, I remember... As a boy, my mother would, would grab me uh, and when I'd come home from school and, and she'd pull me up and she'd say to me, you can do anything. Randy, you can do anything that you set your mind to. Listen, spend your life making believers of men. Believers in God, believers in themselves, believers in what they can accomplish for the kingdom of God. We've got enough people that want to tear people down. We've got enough people that speak negative. We've got enough people that are critical. Listen, we've got enough Facebook, Instagram, and all that nonsense. There's enough of all that. What we need is some people that will grab some people and, and pull them up and say, you can do whatever you set your mind to do. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. We need to preach the gospel of good news. It's news for most people and it's good. That's our calling. That's our purpose. Memories of a lifetime. That's what I'm talking about here this morning. Memories of a lifetime. Stock Piling memories. He said, don't hoard stuff that's going to lose its value. He said, stockpile things that will never lose its value. Stockpile an investment in eternity. And the only way you can do that is by investing in the lives of people. Yes. Amen. That's it. You, you want a good return on your investment? Then invest in people. That's why the first Sunday of each month, like this morning, we take for just a moment and we pause and we talk about our missions giving because we as Americans have been given much and to whom much is given, much is required. 
And so we believe that God has called us to take the gospel around the world and to help those who are less fortunate, to make happen for them what they can't make happen for themselves. But when we lend to the poor, we lend to the Lord and he pays back with interest. And we know that. And so I know as your pastor that one way to keep the heavens open over this house is to keep giving to missions, to keep giving to benevolence, to keep helping the widows and the orphans and their affliction. That's pure religion and undefiled before him. That's what he said. And so you see, we need to understand that we have to invest in eternity. We have to invest in it. That's the only thing that's going to hold its value. So you have to learn to invest in people, saving people, memories of a lifetime. Let me talk to you about, just for a minute, about the place of memories, because I, I just want to make one point here very clear. You see, sorting through the stuff on Friday, what qualified an item as a treasure for me was the statement, oh, well, this was from Nederland. As you've heard me say, I grew up at 503 22nd Street in Nederland. And so my memories, my fondest memories, got a lot of memories, but my fondest memories are at 503 22nd Street. So I would be going through stuff and I'd say, oh, this came from Nederland. And so I'd set it aside. I'd find something else. Oh, that came from Nederland. And I'd set it aside. And those typically were the items that I'd try to give to someone else. I say, you really need to take this. You need to take this. And they said, nope, got plenty. Don't need nothing else. Because it was a value to me, not to them, because there was, an, there was a memory attached to it. I found one tool that I'm about 99% sure came from my grandfather out of Port Natchez to my father, and now I've got it. And it was, it's, it's a hand drill. You take it, put it, you know, you can, you can drill a hole in wood like this. It's called manual labor. <laughs> I, don't, I should have brought it. I got it. I got it in the garage. I should have brought it. It's the neatest thing. You should buy one. You, you, you know, you let the power go out and I'm the come to guy. For drilling hose in wood. You're going to want one one day, see. You laugh at me now, but you go ahead. I held this up to Justin. I said, son, I think this was your great-grandfather's. You need to take this. He said, no, we got a new thing now. It's called power tools. It's okay. You go ahead with your fancy power tool. When that power tool goes out, But you see, it held a memory for me, not for him. Sorting through the stuff. This is from Nederland. So let me give you some lessons in memories. It's people, not places, that make the memory. Now, I referred to Nederland, but it wasn't that location. It was the people that occupied the home. So listen to me. I don't care if you're rich or poor. I don't care if you live in a, if a, a $600,000 home or you're in some little garage apart, a, a apartment on the wrong side of town. Listen to me. It's not the location. 
that makes the difference. It's the memories, the people that are attached to it. You can, you can build memories of a lifetime by going to the nicest steak restaurant in town or just going to McDonald's. Listen, when I take out my grandkids to eat, where I want to go eat is totally different than where they want to go eat. Two different worlds. They're a cheap date because where they want to go usually has the word fast in it. And so, but it's not the price of the meal that they'll ever remember. It's the fact that I'm sitting across the table with them eating that stuff and spending time with them. Are you with me? It's not just the location and it's not all the stuff. It's the time that you spend. Lessons and memories. You need to know this, that memories must be made. You have to be intentional. I've always tried very hard to be intentional about making memories about creating moments that my kids or my grandkids would always remember. You have to be intentional about that. You have to be deliberate. You have to go out of your way. You have to make those things happen. They don't just happen. You have gotta turn off the TV. You gotta get off the couch. You've gotta go do it. You've got to make a memory happen. Most of what I do, it's not just because I want to do it. It's because I am being intentional about creating a memory in my family's life. Know this. It's never too late to start. You say, but pastor, I'm, I, I'm getting a late start on all this. Listen, it's never too late to start. I want you to realize this. All these memories that I'm talking about, again, a lot of great memories, but the, but the ones that, that really, you know, they, they stick are the ones that you have at an early age. And that means that I lived at 503 22nd Street for only 17 years. And then Suzanne and I got married. Okay, she robbed the cradle. 17 <laughs> years. Listen, 17 years. I've been with Suzanne, of course, longer than I, I was with my own mother. Now, now that's obvious, but I remember when I crossed that line after I've been married for seven, when I went into 18 years, I realized, you know, I've now been with Suzanne longer than my own mother. And, and you, we all crossed that line, but you, you realize guys that 17 years is just a breath. I've been here 15 years now and it seems like we're just getting started. It's just a breath. 17 years, and yet there's so many memories that I have. You think it's too late, it's never too late. Know this, making memories allows you to die with no regrets, with no regrets. I've said to you many times, I only have two fears, a wasted life and a senseless death. I don't want either one. I don't wanna waste my life and I don't wanna die prematurely because of stupidity senseless death. Don't want to do that. I want to live out my days as numbered in his book of destinies. And so I want to listen to him, pay attention to him and what he tells me. So you, you have to understand that, that if you've got to cherish your, 
memories. You've got to hold on to these things. You've got to build these memories. You've got to be intentional and make sure that you're deliberate in everything you do so that you can die with no regrets. You don't want to get to the end of your life and think, oh, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done this. You've got to live an intentional life and die with no regrets. Now, I'm going to just give you something here. Stockpile in our text. Uh, He said, stockpile or lay up these treasures that will not lose their value. That verbiage in the Greek, stockpile or lay up, it means to amass or reserve, of course. But it also means this, to live from day to day as to increase either the bitterness or the happiness of one's life. So now do you see it? Stockpile your treasures things that will not lose their value. Stockpile the difference you make in people's lives. Stockpile the investment you make in your children, your grandchildren, other people. Stockpile these memories. Stockpile, stockpile. Lay up treasures in heaven. Invest in people that will live forever. That's eternity. Stockpile your treasures up in heaven where moth and rust and thieves can't get to it. Stockpile your, your, your treasures, your time, your energy. Just stockpile it up in heaven and don't waste it on the junk of this world. It will eventually decay. You're going to go one way to the graveyard and it's going to go another way to the junkyard. Just store up these treasures in heaven. You see, these are the things that people will value. I remember as I was going through sorting the items, I, I'm sorting through stuff and, and picking stuff up and, and looking at things. And I remember picking something up and saying, I remember. I remember. I went out to the, to the metal building and uh, I, I found, I found some, uh, some, uh, some clothing, some hunting, hunting clothes. I won't even bore you with it. You, you want to know what it is, hunting clothes that my dad had. My dad was in the military and he'd buy this military stuff at GI surplus years ago. You couldn't get clothes for kids back then. Uh, hunting back then, I, I was cold all the time, all the time, froze to death all the time. You'd put on two or three pairs of blue jeans, a coat all the time. Never could get warm because they didn't make clothes for kids in the 60s to deer hunt. Now, my kids, their clothes cost more than mine does. I mean, you know, these grandkids, they got the best of the, the, you know, you know how it is. You just, you buy better for your grandkids than you bought for yourself. And so I I froze all the time, but my dad would bring home this stuff. He brought this stuff home from, from, uh, they wore in in the Antarctic and it was just, it was crazy. It was just, you know, it swallow you and it was 14 sizes too big. It was just crazy. Froze all the time. And so I found this stuff, found it, and I brought it out, and, and I, was, I, was, I, I, I showed it to Justin. I said, look, here's those bunny boots I used to tell you about. He said, throw them away. <laughs> I came out with the navy pants that my dad bought. They're horrible. This horrible. They, they was this wide. You walk out and there's, there was so much gap between the outer edge and your, your, your waist. The air would just rush in. Just, just, you know, big old baggy things. Daddy said, you put this on, you'll never get cold. I froze to death. He said, they're waterproof. The Navy wears them. Leak like a sieve. I held them things up. I said, hey, Mike, look, here's them Navy pants. I, remember them Navy pants? Here's them Navy pants. He said, oh, my God, I hated them things. Uh, you know, again, 
memories. But I, I, I caught myself again and again saying, I remember. Memories are a diary of our lives, our children and our grandchildren carry with them. I don't journal. You, you want to know my journaling? It's my sermons. Every week I write. I write. Some people journal, have a diary. Memories that you give to your children and to your grandchildren. Memories is the diary of your life that they will carry with them for the rest of theirs. Memories. Make sure to make and stockpile memories. Make sure. Last of all, treasures of the heart. So Jesus said, don't hoard things that will decay. Stockpile memories that will never lose their value. And let me talk to you about the treasures of your heart and I'm gonna let you go. Be careful what you give your heart to for then it has the power to control you. Matthew 6, 21, for your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. Be careful what you give your heart to because it then has the power to control you. That's why Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. If you give your heart to mammon, it will control you. If you give your heart to God, he will control you. So you have to be careful. So let's talk about and search of treasure. On Monday, December the 14th, at St. Elizabeth Hospital, it was in the afternoon. My mother had been fighting COVID now for two days and she had on that CPAP, that big mask that just, it covered most of her face and it, it, it fit on her so tight that it got into the place where it was starting to bruise her face. But we were trying to force oxygen into her to keep her alive. And it was difficult for her. And she was, at this point, she was starting to get, come in and out a little bit, but she looked at, she looked at me at, at this point and very, with clarity of mind and the old mother that I remember, the old, the, the mother that I remember that was such a strong personality, such a strong person. She looked at me, she says, Randy, I'm dying. I want to talk to the kids. And I said, okay, mama. And so I started calling the family and I'd get them on face, you know, I'd FaceTime them. And mama would talk to everybody. And she said two things to everyone. I watched her. She said two things to every one of them. She says, I love you and I want you to love the Lord. She took as many calls as she could, Suzanne being the last one. And then she looked at me and she shook her head very clear, very strong. She shook her head as to say, I can't do any more. And that was the last lucid moment that I had with her. Her final moment was used to communicate her greatest concern that her family love the Lord. I'm talking to you about the treasures of your heart. You see, we have to be careful with the pursuit of the heart. Fame and fortune, power and pleasure, popularity and prestige. You have to be careful with that. You have to be careful with that. Because what you give your heart to can have power over your life. So you got to guard your heart. Proverbs says, guard the heart, guard the heart. For out of it comes the wellspring of life. It feeds everything into your life. It feeds everything in your life. You have to be 
careful with that. You see, 85% of compulsive hoarders, we're talking about hoarding stuff. 85% of compulsive hoarders report they had a family member who had the same problem. So I want to ask you, are you guarding your heart? Be careful where you place your value because that thing may possess your children's heart. Be careful where you place your value because that thing may possess your children's heart. 85% of hoarders in essence said, I learned this from a family member. So if you're hoarding stuff, if you're hoarding stuff, now I'm not talking about being a compulsive hoarder. I'm now talking about laying up for yourselves treasures on planet earth. If all your time is spent in the pursuit of things, pleasure, popularity, prestige, power, fame, fortune. If your life is spent on that, know this, that you're going to pass that thing down to your kids. If you're not careful, if God doesn't intervene, that thing can be passed down to our children and our children's children. My mother, all her life, gave me many gifts. As I've told you before, I'd listen to her pray at midnight. And one of the greatest gifts she gave me was on her dying bed with her last breath. She said, I want you to love the Lord. Pass it down. Pass it down. You've got to be careful. He said in Proverbs 4, as I mentioned, but in the Passion, it reads this way. Above all, guard the affections of your heart. Be careful what you value because it will capture your heart. David, come help me. As I said to you in the beginning, this is personal to me. It's an experience that I had. And at three something this morning when I woke up, this message that I'm preaching to you right now, I began to watch it in my mind play out as I was preaching it to you. And I'm thinking, I've got my message. I ain't getting out of this bed. But that thing kept playing. And so I got up and I went into my office and I sat down and I began to type. Because the greatest message is what comes out of who we are and not just what we know. I wanted you to see me standing there in Beaumont Colony, there between Lumberton and Kuntz in the backyard, that roll off, that long dumpster, and the tractor, my son-in-law, Michael Everett, that would take that stuff, the grapple, and take it and reach up and dump it in that trailer. And I stood there and I watched and I think 80 yards of memories. And then the truck pulls up and he, he grabs it, sucks it up and then he drives off. And I'm watching as my parents' life is being hauled to the junkyard. The stuff that my daddy worked so hard for, he retired from Allied Chemical in, in Bridge City to take the opportunity to go to Alaska to work on the Trans-Alaskan Pipeline. He'd be gone for nine months at a time. Sacrifice that he made, sacrifice that he made 
so that he could give his family a better life. My mother, who was the secretary to the president and an officer of the bank at First State, First Bank and Trust, First State Bank and Trust, there in, in Port Arthur. Many days, I'd be home from school and I'd, I'd hear the back door slam and I, I knew my mother's coming down that hallway with her, her clothes, you know, work clothes on. And she always smelled like a bank. Always smelled like a bank. And she would go, she said, hey, Randy, she'd go back to her back bedroom. She'd change clothes. She'd come back out and she would come to the, to the stove looking out over the living room and she'd reach up and I could hear it in my head. She'd click that light on and she'd start cooking. Work all day to come home and immediately start cooking. Because building a better life for her family, building these memories. And then I watch them as they gather up all this stuff and they dump it in a dumpster and we're going to haul it to the junkyard. 80 yards of memories. I kept trying to get family members. Here, you need to take this. Then I realized it held no value for them. Only for me, because it held a memory. So when I drove away, a lot of stuff was gone. But I held my memories. Don't hoard things that lose their value, but stockpile the memories that will never lose their value. So today's takeaway. Number one. Don't hoard treasures. To add value to something, build memories around it. Number two, stockpiling memories. Making memories allows you to die with no regrets. And number three, treasures of the heart. Be careful what you value because it will capture your heart. Be careful. Thank you for listening to the One City Church podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.